Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by Dad Dennis Maller. He is a Boston-based comedian, actor, writer, and podcaster. He's been heard all over the country. So we're going to get him to tell his story and talk about his career. See why they call him Dead Air Dennis. Hopefully, that, <laughs> hopefully there's no Dead Air doing this podcast, but thank you so much for joining me, Dennis. Oh, my pleasure. No, the uh, nickname is uh, an ironic nickname. Uh, dead Air, uh, for those who are not in the industry, Dead Air is just means silence. And I never stop talking, so it's like calling a fat guy tiny. That's basically Absolutely. Well, why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Yes, well, I think you did a good enough job of of reading the words that I uh, that I would have said, uh, or repeat or saying the words that I would have said about myself as a comedian, an actor, and a podcaster living in uh, Boston. And I want to point out, I live in Boston, or more like I suffer in Boston. I am not from Boston. <laughs> I'm originally from Baltimore, and I moved here just uh, just about ten years ago uh, to continue my radio career uh, because I left Baltimore because I ran out of bridges to burn. Got you. Well, uh, t- t- tell everybody kind of how you got your start and kind of uh, actually what you do. Yeah, the reason I got the way I got my start. Uh, let's talk about radio. Why not? Let's start because that's the that's the thing that actually brings me money, or at least it used to bring me money. Uh, the the start in radio. That's a it's a funny one because I was uh, in high school. You know, as they do, they make you try to figure out whatever your your career opportunities are going to be, and they make you look up jobs and colleges and all that stuff. And uh, as a high school kid, I enjoyed building things or working on things and stuff. In fact, uh, I, I put in my bio that my my journey in radio started when I fixed my dad's hi-fi combo eight track and record player so I could play my Chipmunks rocking across the USA record. Uh, and so I wanted to make things. So I thought I was going to be a civil engineer. That's what I looked up throughout high school was how to be a civil engineer, what a civil engineer is, what an architect is, all that stuff. And uh, the way I, I understood it is an architect designs a building. The civil engineer makes it happen. I was like, oh, I'm good at math. I'm good at science. I, I like building things. Yeah, civil engineering sounds like perfect to me specifically picked colleges to apply to that were good school engineering schools um, and got turned down by almost all of them <laughs> uh, until I came to a uh, community college in the D.C. area uh, in Montgomery County, just outside of uh, D.C., which is like a 45 minute drive from where I grew up in Baltimore, uh, which is, by the way, the bad part of Baltimore known as Baltimore. Uh, and so the day I drove down to college to register this community college as i'm standing in line to register for my engineering classes for first year engineering classes and all the stuff that they recommend you take or require you to take rather i'm flipping through the little booklet of other things i see television production radio production classes and as i got to the counter i changed my entire major switched to that and then six years later uh 
stopped going. I'm not going to say graduated because I went to six years of community college and technically didn't graduate, uh, but <laughs> stopped doing uh, college with the equivalent of three degrees, uh, one in audio production, one in television production, and one in broadcast journalism. Um, and while still in college, I got a job working with iHeartRadio, and I spent 20 years off and on different pro- radio programs, uh, different companies doing podcasting and stuff like that. And then um, as I was working in radio, I was feeling creatively unfulfilled. Uh, I had worked uh, in D.C. Pr- primarily most of my career, and then uh, an alternative rock station, uh, they flipped one of the jazz station to an alternative rock station, which is like, hey, you want to piss off all your listeners? That's the best way to do it. Uh, the only bigger jump uh, for listenership is uh, flipping a country station to a hip-hop station. And so the state, you know, I knew the guy who was in charge of the station injurably until they hired people. And I just kept bugging him every day. I was like, hey, I live 10 minutes away from that station in Baltimore. Alternative rock is my 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 medium. It's the music I know the most about. Please, let me go help. Let me go help. Let me go help. Let me go help. Please, please, let me go help. Let me go help. And so he just went, fine, leave me alone, and I'll, I'll find something for you to do. Uh, and I practically ran the station. Uh, uh, me and another, I practically ran the station for a couple months until they started bringing in uh, people. And, uh, you know, I was you know, jo- uh, on on air personality, fill in here and there, help running all the recorded automated hours and working under some uh, very inspiring, uh, uh, you know, music director and program directors and, and whatnot. Uh, and then until 18 months later, they flipped it uh, again to uh, adult uh, to uh, top 40. And uh, I stuck around. I was one of the only people they didn't fire because they needed somebody to run the place again, to continue running the place as it was automated until they hired staff and then was th- there for a little while and uh, ended up moving to Boston. But uh, while I was there doing the alternative rock station, I really wasn't being challenged. I wasn't really being creative fulfilled because I had very little to do with station, even though I was kind of running everything b- uh, behind the scenes and keeping it uh, on the air and doing all the radio grunt works to say in finger quotes. I uh, wasn't, I didn't feel like I was really part of the station. So I decided to finally do what I've been wanting to do and should have done longer, uh, uh, long ago. And that was take uh, my career into my own hands and start doing stand up comedy. Because when you do comedy, you don't have to check in with anybody. You don't have to answer to anybody. You just go do it for the most part. Uh, so I did. I just, went and started doing it again. Um, I did it off and on for a number of years, and I have a lot of friends who were comedians that I helped and workshopped and wrote jokes with, but never really performed, and I finally decided, I'm going to say 13 years ago. I don't know how long ago it really was. I think it was a, it was a, a Columbus Day. All I remember is it was Columbus Day, Columbus Day when I made the decision, I think that very weekend or a couple weekends after, I finally got back on stage and started doing it and consistently since. Um, so let's say 13 years. Let's just, every couple, every so often I just up the amount of years. I don't know where, how long I've been doing it. I don't keep track of things like that. I don't keep track of anniversaries. Uh, if I remember a date, it's usually by coincidence, but, uh, so yeah, I've been doing it consistently then, uh, since then and off and on radio and podcasting and working for myself as a freelance engineer and producer and recordist and editor for, some of the biggest companies in the in the country, like Gimlet and Earwolf and NPR and you know the BBC and all them, 
just helping, uh, helping, get, helping. I, I, I make it sound altruistic. No, more like just working for them, getting paid to do what they uh, need me to do. Well, what, what I was going to say is, I, I know you've been heard all across the country, not not just Boston on Sirius XM. I'm in radio as well. I, I graduated from the uh, Academy of Radio and TV Broadcasting in Huntington Beach, California. Oh, word. So tell us how you uh, got, got to be heard all across the country. Uh, well, the, the reason I do uh, is uh, because I've done stuff on Sirius XM. Um, so that's an international or as an, I guess that's nationwide or whatever it is. But also uh, I've done bits uh, for different syndicated radio stations or, or st- syndicated radio shows. Um, yeah, that's how just uh, basically uh, predominantly one of the main ones that I worked with was this guy, Jackson Blue, uh, who was, was the morning show at the top 40 station. <laughs> the, the jazz station turned alternative rock turned top 40 station. Uh, he was our morning show. He came in and we worked together and he also had a syndicated show, a uh, weekly syndicated show across the country. So some of the bits that we would do on our, on his morning show, he would also put on that show. We would write bits together of just doing character stuff, or I chime in as like second chair for a bit, you know, this or that. So there's that. And then I have a lot of friends that work at Sirius XM that would call me up like, Hey, I need somebody to pretend to be this kind of expert uh, for a gag, or I need somebody to pretend to call in and pretend to be this kind of caller for this gag, or, Hey, that's a really funny uh, idea. Why don't you call me this week? And we'll, we'll put it on the air. Um, I was also uh, the producer that launched the blue collar comedy channel on Sirius XM. I was the uh, live remote producer. Uh, an engineer, we launched the Blue Collar Comedy Channel from backstage of the Warner Theater while they were filming the Blue Collar Comedy Rides Again show or movie. So the uh, Blue Collar guys, Jeff Foxworthy and uh, Ron White and Larry the Cable Guy and uh, Bill Engvall, they've made their little comedy movies. I say very, I say they made their little comedy movies very insultingly for guys uh, that have millions of dollars and I don't have millions of pennies. Uh, so I shouldn't sound as insulting to them as I just did. But uh, so they filmed a couple uh comedy movies, you know, just stand up that they release in movie theaters. That's really what it is. And I launched, uh, I worked backstage in the green room with them to launch the blue collar comedy channel for Sirius XM. Get her done. <laughs> yeah. I literally, I spent the entire night with Larry, the cable guy. It was the first time he was headlining their show. So he was with us as the rest of the guys were on stage. Uh, and people can insult and say everything bad about, they want about Larry, the cable guy or Dan as his real name is. Uh, but he has amazing, amazing comedic timing. He's very smart, funny, generous, nice, super nice guy. Uh, but when we took a picture together and he went, get her done, I literally almost throat, throat punched him. So, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so you also say that you're allergy free since 1981 to t- tell us what that means. Oh, that just means I'm not allergic to anything. And it's just a funny way of saying it. Uh, I used to also do this bit uh, early in my career about how I don't offer anything to the gene pool when it comes to women. Like, 
I'm short, I'm fat, I'm bald, and I have glasses. That's four strikes. That's one strike too many. Uh, and so, like, the the only thing I offer to the gene pool is that I is that your kid will not be born with hay fever because of me. That's that's it. I'm allergy free since '81 when I was born. I have not uh, had any allergies, although. The, the truth to that is I'm starting to find out now through doc- different doctors pointing that I might actually be allergic to opioids. Yeah. Uh, also the comedy editor for big Boston, for those who don't know who, uh, what big Boston is, tell us about that. Dig Boston is a local alternative weekly newspaper here in the Boston area. Uh, and I write comedy interviews for them. Um, that's how I get, uh, that's usually how a lot of the, bigger name guest on my podcast. So what do you really do? They came from that. They were coming to town and they're like, Hey, we need, we need to get people to come to their show. Let's set him up with a local newspaper reporter, which is me. Um, and so we would, I would interview different comedians coming to town and also comedy editor is a very, very trumped up title. Let's, let's, let's not, uh, uh, calling me a writer is a very trumped up title. Here's what I do as a writer. Uh, I'm going to let you in on a secret. What I do is I record me interviewing other comedians. And then I have an AI transcribe the entire thing. And then I give that to my boss, the editor, who then spell checks it and then mails me a check. I am literally stealing from a nonprofit. It is. <laughs> it it really feels like that I'm uh, getting away with something. But they like my interviews. Speaking of interviews, you have a podcast. So, so tell us about the podcast and how you got that started. Uh, I actually have not one, but two podcasts. Uh, the first one is called that I just mentioned. It's called So What Do You Really Do? Where I interview artists and entertainers about their day jobs, talking about the things that we do during the day to support the things that we want to do at night. Um, it's a, it came from a concept of when you work in radio for so long, creating a podcast just seems so easy what i didn't just want to create a podcast i didn't just want to be another comedian with a podcast i wanted to have a good show about something you know i wanted to be able to have a a, a thing and it took me forever to figure it out like i'm i'm so sick of seeing just like you know white guy podcast where we're talking about the things that no one else is afraid to talk about it was basically just three white com- comedian guys and their one black fan talking about why they should be allowed to say the n-word that's really what most of those are where it's like oh we're seeing everything you're thinking no because what i'm thinking is you suck anyway so i want to have a good hook a good reason to cr- to create interviews and create content and it hit me one day I was at a Christmas party here in Boston for uh, one of the comedy clubs has a legendarily really big comedy uh, Christmas party. And uh, I was just talking to another comedian who was a video game designer. And I was just asking him so many questions about video game design. And I realized that this is what the podcast should be about. This is what is talking about our interesting day jobs. I have an interesting day job working in radio. People constantly want to ask me questions about radio. They're fascinated about it. And then they get quickly, uh, and then they always say one of two things afterwards. Uh, and one of them is always, oh, well, I don't listen to the radio anyway. So it's like, then why did you ask me so many questions about it? And the same question uh, that they always ask is, why do you always play the same songs? And my request, my reply to that is uh, because people keep requesting the same songs. That's why we keep playing them over and over. Um, but yeah, the, the at that Christmas party is the... 
the inspiration for the podcast. Called up a couple of comedians that I knew locally that had interesting, different day jobs that we could talk about. And uh, one of the comedians I was talking about that night at the Christmas party, when I pitched him the idea, Don Zolo came up with the, the name for the title. I was like, yeah, but you, you know, the podcast sounds interesting, but you need an interesting name. Like, so what do you really do? And I'm like, that's it. That's perfect. Because like, oh, you're, you're an actor. So what do you really do? Wait tables? Okay, cool. Like that was... The idea behind the podcast. And then I had Don Zello uh, on the podcast talk about the job in real estate he does. And uh, he completely forgot we had this conversation and that he was the <laughs> he was the inspiration for the title. Uh, in fact, I think every couple of years I remind him of it anyway. But uh, so, yeah, that podcast is I've had amazingly interesting people on it over the years. I've had some uh, I interviewed one of my favorite interviews is I interviewed a band uh, called the Dirty Dotties who were uh, comprised of different music teachers. Like one person was a music teacher she taught at her house. One person taught at a music conservatory. Another pe person taught music in a public school. And then another uh, musician just taught theory and stuff like that. And then one of the other members is a legit scientist, like white coat, flasks and Bunsen burners. And that's his day job. He goes and does science stuff. And then afterwards plays trumpet in a ska band. Like that's crazy. And then it gets even crazier. One of the other musicians in the band, she just graduated from Berkeley with a degree in music, uh, music medicine, medicine, musical medicine. I don't, I don't remember the exact term. Basically this is what she described it to me on. And it's a great episode. You should check it out everywhere. Podcasts are potted. Uh, so what do you really do? The uh, episode with the dirty Dotties. So she tells me about her job is basically things that she got music therapy. That's what she does. And she would like, if someone was having surgery, instead of giving them anesthesia, she would just take it, go into, in, into the operating room with her guitar and start playing her guitar and control somebody's heart, the rhythm of their heart, the beat, the amount their heart beats and control it with the beats per minute of her song. And I'm like, that's straight voodoo. That's what that is. That's not science. That's voodoo. That's witchcraft. And it's crazy, but it's cool. So I continue to keep doing the podcast. Uh, you know, some of my previous guests have included a very recent America's Got Talent contestant. Um, I've also interviewed amazingly interesting people like Lewis Black from The Daily Show, uh, who was so kind and generous. And then also... People like Jim Jeffries, uh, who's a famous international comedian, uh, and a ton of other amazingly interesting people that work really hard doing one thing just so they can go and do the thing that they're most passionate about. And that's really what the podcast is about, is learning who that person is through their passions and their necessities. Absolutely. So t tell us, what do you see the future of radio going because you know it has changed since i heard radio purchased up a lot of stuff oh god uh i don't know because i when i left iHeartRadio in 2018 um they were podcasting was a dirty word to them uh and then last year they started buying up tons of intellectual property podcasts and started creating a bunch of podcasts with celebrity hosts. And I don't think it's working out well for them. Uh, I, I, the future of radio, I don't know. Radio, I think, will always be there. I'm not going to be one of those doom and gloom people like, oh, radio will be obsolete in a couple of years. No, it's always going to be there. It's free. 
it's over the air. It's easily accessible. People will always be listening and watching it. Um, I would, what I, my hopes is, is that it becomes local again. Um, one of the big things that was happening in the industry when I was on my way out of it, and I guess I don't know if I'm ever actually out of it, but is that they were becoming homogenized and big corporations were taking control of everything and trying to create cookie cutter stations and make everything sound the same across the nation. And the one thing that radio has that nobody else has is their ability to be local. Right in your town. People who live in your town. Like local news is still popular because people want to know what's going on Locally, they want to be able to connect with their local people. And that's all radio has over top of everything else, is that they can broadcast to the people that are the ones listening to their station in their own town. And I think maybe that, like, if I don't know if deregulation will ever happen, uh, which is uh, not to get too deep into FCC law and territory. They uh, basically took away the... Took away the uh, uh, they took away the uh, rule that states that a company can only own X amount of stations in a market, um, in a city, in a particular given area. Uh, well, they didn't take it away. They just expanded it. So it's like you can own more. Before it used to be like, you can only have like two stations in a, in a given market. Now it's like you have like 20, whatever it is. Uh, I, th- I don't know if that will ever happen because the reason they changed that law is because people lobbied for it. They're not going to lobby against it. Uh, nobody's going to spend their money for it. I think what's going to happen is the larger companies are going to sell off the stations. You're going to find people and smaller companies and local companies are going to be more able to afford radio stations and people are going to buy those up. Smaller companies are going to buy them up again. And you're going to have local jocks. You're going to have local talent again, talking to the local people instead of one person doing a show for 25 different stations in 25 different cities and just speaking generically about what's going on. Maybe they'll do one local break that plays locally. Uh, but for the most part, it's not going to, I don't think you're going to have that nationwide uh, syndicate. I use the word syndicated very loosely because it's not really syndication, but that nationwide sta- cookie cutter where this station sounds exactly like the station from my hometown. And then I went to this city and it sounds exactly like this station from this other city. That's what I hope. It'll go back to being local. It'll go back to being the proving grounds for people who want to uh, get into entertainment. Because that's really, when you look back in the day, the people who were the innovators, the people who wanted to do things, the people who were just a little bit off-center, all started in radio a long time ago. And that was the attraction for people who could be creative and different and were going to be sensations like SCTV, you know, Second City TV started as a radio show. You know, the uh, uh, National Lampoon, the incredibly famous uh, magazine was also, before they started making movies, did radio shows. Like most of those, like most of your favorite comedians, older comedians all had started in radio or had a long-standing stint in radio. And I think we'll get back to that someday. Um, because I think uh, I think people are going to move away from social media, or the industry is going to continue to just hire innovators in social media, on social media, and bring them in their fold and allow them to have the resources to create instead of just being um, homogenized and 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 the samezies across. I th- 
I think that's more a wish than really what will happen. What will probably happen is it's going to just stay as it is, and it's just going to continue to find ways to do what it does, but cheaper. Do you have any kind of upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about? Well, I am working on currently uh, my other podcast, uh, which is a audio and video podcast called Word of the Day with Comedians. Uh, it is a short-form educational podcast uh, where I, uh, a comedian and I get together, we pick a word, we make fun of that word, and then we come up with the funniest, most absurd sentence we can using that word in context. It is the funniest way to expand your vocabulary, uh, and it can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and as an actual YouTube show, which is what all the real work is going into. And some people put their podcasts on YouTube, and it's just like the audio track with pictures. No, it's actual video, heads and faces moving. You can see us. Uh, it is a good, fun time, uh, albeit a lot of work, especially when I launched it last year. Uh, I launched it as a five-episode-a-week a five episode a week podcast, video podcast and YouTube show, which was, I'm sure is by the shocked looked on your face right now, you understand that that was a ton of work and incredibly insane thing to do. Uh, and the reason I did it is I wanted to see if I could, I wanted to see if I could keep up with that kind of workload and if I could build it to become something bigger and better than what it was. And, uh, don't worry. I failed miserably. It was, uh, we're still putting out episodes, not daily, just, when I have free time, every couple of weeks an episode will come out. Uh, so subscribing is very important because then you'll finally know about it uh, when episodes come out. So subscribe to it on iTunes, po uh, Spotify, or YouTube and watch this hideous Mayfair Radio face talk to you. Well, that just went into my next question I was going to ask you about. But you, you, you definitely knocked it out throw out your contact information so we can keep up with everything that you're up to please do yes yeah give us your contact information oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i thought that was an off-air thing like give me your yeah no yeah if you want to find out about me you can go everything uh that i do is at deadairdennis.com d-e-a-d-a-i-r-d-e-n-n-i-s.com and of course it's at deadairdennis on all the social medias because uh synergy and nobody else wants this dumb name except a, a different radio guy in Kentucky who did a uh, who's famous for doing a fake bit about pretending he was fired from work just to drum up interest in what he was doing on the weekends. Sweet. Well, close us out with some final thoughts that you have for the listeners. Maybe something that I forgot to touch on that you would like to talk about or just anything final, finally you have for the listeners. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I will take this platform to talk about something that's very near and dear to me, uh, and that is mental illness. Uh, I am a huge proponent for mental... No, no, that's not what I meant. I'm, I'm a huge proponent for mental health. Sorry. It would have been weird if I was just going to end this thing and my entire platform was like, everyone should have depression. That's not what I'm saying. I just want to take the stigma out of mental illness. I... I talk about my mental illness openly on stage uh, in a lot of my comedy. I talk about it openly with, with other people, friends of mine who also suffer from it. Uh, in fact, I actually, uh, I hate doing this because it now sounds like a pitch. Uh, like I said, it sounds like an infomercial where I'm, I'm like, hey, buy my product. No, I do uh, sell a coffee mug um, as part of my merch. It has, you know, the, the podcast logo on it. And, and uh, it has also written on it, uh, it says... Not until I've had my coffee, uh, and coffee is scratched out and says antidepressants. 
Uh, and I uh, is a mug that I sell because I want it. Uh, I think it's the best way to inform your coworkers that you live with a mental illness. It's uh, I don't want people to feel uncomfortable talking about their mental illness, whether it's depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, pers- you know, uh, uh, dissociative identity disorder, or even if you have an eating disorder, it usually stems from other um, other mental illnesses. Uh, that's a, you know, a side effect of of some of those other mental illnesses. Uh, don't be ashamed about it. You know, get help. There's nothing uh, wrong. There's nothing embarrassing about getting help, talking to a therapist, talking to a psychiatrist, talking to any professional, you know, especially if you're someone who might be at risk or danger. I mean, honestly, you can reach out to me, Dennis at deadairdennis.com, and you can talk about your mental illnesses and your health crises with me, and I'll be a, 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 a listening uh, board for you. Uh, I'll, I'll pretend that I'm not bored at all about it. I'll do a really good job about it. Uh, but I don't want people to feel uncomfortable talking about their their health issues, especially when it comes to mental health. Um, I mean, you know, the numbers of, of suicide are staggering. I know. Hey, let's bring a comedian on. He starts talking about suicide. Great. This is hysterical. But no, it really is something that's near to me. I think we should... Uh, so many people lived who have suffered in silence with mental illness. I don't want people to suffer in silence anymore. Uh, I want us all to live together openly about it and get help and not be afraid uh, to ask for help when you need it or to recognize when you need help. Uh, so, And also, uh, every dime, every dollar of the proceeds of those coffee mug sales, which you can buy at deadairdentist.com, every single dollar from every single sale of that coffee mug goes directly to the copay for my Zoloft. So it goes to a good cause. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. So hit Dennis up if you need to. Check him out on deadaddennis.com so you can keep up with everything that he's up to. And if you enjoyed this episode or the show in general, please be sure to follow, rate, review, tell a friend. Once again, deadaddennis.com. Dennis, I appreciate you for joining me and and gracing us with your presence and your expertise. Oh, thank you for having me, DJ Curveball. This was a good time. I always enjoy um, talking about my favorite subject, which is me. So, For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.